everybody. So we're going to be, you know, talking Canvas data today. And so I guess just to, I guess we've got Cecilia here today. So I guess I'll introduce myself and then I guess we could go around and just do a quick introduction to each other. So my name's Keegan and I've been in the cannabis space for a little while. My background is in economics. And so it's fun to apply economics, data science to problems in the cannabis industry. And so I've coincidentally started a company, Canlytics, that does exactly that. And so we help people in the cannabis industry make sense of their data, wrangle data, and get value from their data. And, but enough of me, I'll let Charles and Paul, and then you as well, Cecilia, introduce yourselves to each other. Um, I'm Charles, and um, I have 27 years of uh, software development experience, and um, I've uh, been working in data science for the last year and a half, and um, I guess Cecilia's gone, so we can yes. skip that. <laughs> <laughs> no, do go on, Charles. <laughs> but still, we Actually, have more to learn. Yeah, actually, I didn't know you had 27 years experience. That's quite a quite a bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long, long time of programming. And if you can share, how goes your forays into machine learning? It's going pretty good. Um, I've been uh, I've been making some progress in the Kaggle competition. Um, I'm at ninety seven percent, and the leaders are at ninety eight and ninety nine percent. So I just got to eke that little extra percentage out there. Oh, good for you. That's good. Thanks. Um, and I found out actually, you know, somebody told me about this a couple months ago, um, and I tried it last night. There's this uh, library called. Uh, pandas profiling and you can give it a data frame and it will tell you about each one of the variables or each one of the right. columns like how many missing values there are what percentage of you know what the most common values are in it wow. it'll give you a correlation matrix wow um, it just does all these things and it'll export it to an interactive HTML file. So you can have like a, you can, you can bring it up in a browser and just in, you know, and, and click on different buttons and, and tabs and stuff and, and, and look at it. It's amazing. Sounds pretty powerful. It is. So, well, welcome, Sean. We're just sort of introducing each other at the moment, or well, introducing ourselves. So my name's Keegan, this is Charles, Paul. We meet up regularly to talk about cannabis data. So we're happy to have you. Yeah, thank you. Can you hear me again? All right. Barely. Let me fix that. How about that? Much better. Perfect. Um, well, nice to meet y'all. Um, yeah, I guess I'll introduce myself. So my name is Sean. Um, I've worked in the cannabis industry here in Denver and Northern Colorado um, for about 
seven years and I just recently finished a data science program uh, to kind of upskill myself. And <clears throat> so I'm just looking for any opportunity to apply, you know, my cannabis experience with this newfound skill of data science that I have. Well, uh, you found the right group. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Is everyone in Colorado? We're we're, we're scattered actually in various states. So I founded a company, Canlytics, that's based out of Olympia, Washington. Oh, cool. Charles is in Oregon, and Paul is in Michigan. So we oh, sort of oh. represent plate, you know, cannabis markets, you know, all all across the country. Yeah, cool. we'll be in uh, Colorado Springs over the uh, July Fourth uh, week to visit some friends out there. So I won't be too far away from you, Sean. Yeah, nice. That's yeah, a good time to visit. Yeah. <clears throat> Can you, I guess, do you have like any topics of interest that are like, so what like are people talking about in Colorado? May, or if, if I can ask. Uh, I or think, can... yeah, Colorado last year passed legislation for uh, cannabis clubs, basically a bar you can go to and smoke up. And that's been the buzz lately um so i don't know how that plays into analytics i actually have some data from a dispensary i worked at that i wanted to see if i could get some advice from you guys on on how to crunch this numbers or if you uh know any algorithms to do some my idea was to do like a sort of you know practice with some time series prediction and use it's about five months worth of sales data and see if I could use that five months. I know it's not perfect because not a full year's worth of sales data, but at least try and play with some algorithms to get some time series predictions. Yeah. Um, Keegan, do you mind if I step in yes, for a second? Yes, by all means, okay. Paul. Yeah, so, Sean, I'm just uh, actually wrapping up a master's program in data science from University of Wisconsin, and I'm working on my uh, capstone project right now. Um, thanks to Charles and Keegan, I was able to get hold of some uh, Washington State uh, sales data. Um, what I'm doing right now is uh, going to be using some market basket analysis uh, on uh, on some sales information to see if I could uh, make some like sales recommendations um, from uh, from dispensaries to customers. Mm -hmm. um, what I was what I really wanted to do was. Um, uh, do a project on um, sequential pattern mining, which kind of is the same thing as market basket analysis where it makes recommendations, but it makes recommendations over time. Um, I just found out yesterday, last night, unfortunately, I was look, going through the data uh, and um, the, the sequential patterns I was looking to, to uncover was between the suppliers or the producers, the product producers and the dispensaries. <clears throat> So the product producers could say, okay, you bought these products from us. Uh, maybe you could buy, you know, product X and Y as well. Um, what I found out though, is those transactions that are recorded in the uh, Washington state data are 
what what the um, producers are doing is they're recording their transactions in a big batch. So instead of every time there's a transaction, they record it, they just pile up all the transactions that enter them like in one day. So I can't actually use that data. So the data is pretty bad in that respect. Um, so, but I did notice that the transactions between, you know, the sales transactions are definitely spread out over time. Um, and I could use like a market basket analysis approach. So um, it sounds like you're trying to do something like with retail sales as well, but you want to do more of um, like what trending sales trending or something like that. Yeah. Just kind of a way to see if I can use the data I have to you know, kind of predict the next week's sales or the next yeah. month's sales. So some time series uh, like uh, halt winters or some seasonal type forecasting. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, it's only like five months worth of data. So I can't get that full year spectrum in there. But mm -hmm. it does include 420. So that's that kind of adds an interesting outlier in there. Okay, so mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't know what that means. What does 420 mean? I'm oh, 420, the, the, the weed holiday that everyone goes and <laughs> buys up the most weed. Okay, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, you uh -huh. tell him. I'm green to the space, no pun intended. <laughs> That's right. why everyone has their big sale. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, the President's right. Day or like the Black July Friday sale. of the weed yeah. industry. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah, I can pull that up if you guys give me a moment, and then maybe you can give me your two cents on the data. Unfortunately, it doesn't specify product. It just has the the dollar amounts and then the time. And then um, I've uh, redacted it because it had all the employee names. So yeah. I just changed the employee names to employee one, two, three, et cetera, et cetera. So is this from their point of sale uh, system at the, okay. Yeah. It's using metric. That's the standard here in Colorado mm -hmm. um, for POS systems. Um, but yeah, just give me a moment. I'll pull that up for us to check out. Just, just thoughts right off the bat. You know, if you've got daily data, you could start uncovering my, some of the, my favorite things to look at are like day of the week effects. Mm -hmm. So what day are you having the most sales? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I have done some analysis like that and like pinpointed which hours of the day are the hottest. Mm -hmm and um which days of the month are hottest um so i have been able to do some analysis there um but at the end of the day it just seems more like an hr tool to motivate employees to sell more or something it's not really that's kind of the gist i get from it it's not really like predictive it's more like you know management tool or planning exactly. tool essentially optimal staffing so yeah exactly the way, yeah the way i would go about it is you you'd partition your man hours so if or you know your hours so it's essentially if you have 12 employees and they're each working you know 30 40 hours a week mm -hmm. you would just have your total hours and then you'd almost want to match that with if you're doing hourly, then you'd almost want to weight your staffing in accordance to, mm -hmm. you know, your predicted sales spikes. If, you know, 
to to the best you can. But but if you can share, what were some of the what were the busiest times of the day? Yeah, let me pull that up as well. Um, trying to remember where I put that analysis. So this is sort of what you know, Paul and I talk about is you know, <clears throat> there's so many opportunities here and mm -hmm. I'm sure people have done them like so you're doing them yourselves but there's not that much you know out there in the public so mm -hmm. there's not that much public research about or at least that I found I'm you know pointing in the direction if I'm wrong but you know of research about say you know, the busiest times of the day. Uh, no. So, I don't know. I, there's just lots of opportunities for, for you to get your research out there and people to get some eyeballs on it. What would you say is like a good platform for getting that out there? Well, I may be biased, but at the moment, you know, Camlytics is essentially trying to provide data to people in the cannabis industry so oh, okay. still a, a seedling company mm -hmm. <clears throat> i'm always just a big fan of self-publishing so if you have your own website put it on your own website um github yeah i've done medium and github um and that's about it so far but you know i'm always or linkedin um so i'm just always looking for a new platform really but yeah, it, you know, so that's essentially what Canletics is. So if you have something in particular you want to get out there, we can yeah, send me a message and we can try to get your, your data and your analysis out there. Great. Yeah, and and just to be fully transparent, my main motivation is to find a job in data science. Same here. Specific. <laughs> specifically in the cannabis industry or just any in general but i think my domain knowledge would be best applied in the cannabis industry um but i know data science applies to anything really yeah so for for charles and sean uh, if you guys are both looking for work um i work for general motors here in southeast michigan and we we um we have this big push going on right now um, as far as uh, data science analytics because it's really driving all parts of the company. So um, uh, I can probably send you guys a link to our job posting board. Um, I can't guarantee anything. Uh, you know, the, the good thing is now that we're doing a lot of our positions, especially positions like data science uh, remotely. Um, so take a look at the job postings. I can't guarantee anything, but I can always reach out to the hiring manager that you'd be applying to and, and put in a word for you. Um, but yeah, I'll send that link to both of you if you're interested. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. Be great. And I got those charts. You guys still want to take a look at them? It's, you're, you're welcome to share your screen if you're able. Okay. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, not familiar with this one. The screen share is present now. Um, 
share your screen. Does it require a permission or something? It may. seem like I need to require permissions uh yeah on the share button it's all blacked out so uh. it seems oh no sorry that's my fault I need okay is that working now yeah we can see you Sean okay um <clears throat> so how do I drive this so is it moving yes yeah. okay so this came from, I'll show you the data real quick. So this is kind of the raw format of the data. So we have our price, the tax, and then total price and total paid are the same numbers. So I eliminated one of those columns. Um, register, this column was kind of unnecessary data, so I eliminated, I eliminated that as well. And this is where I redacted the employee names from their actual name to E5 or E1, et cetera, et cetera. And this was the time of date. This was taken back in 2019 as of the first of the year all the way to <coughs> June 2nd. So roughly five months. And then this was the total um, gross revenue for the dispensary within that Five month time frame. Mm -hmm. Quick, quick idea. I don't know how much of interest it is to you, but you could potentially go to the dispensary or a similar dispensary with this idea. Is you could basically try to uh, I think well, you I was just thinking, sorry, I was just thinking for a second. Oh. oh, we'll have to maybe pinpoint the specific regression, but you could essentially run a regression and try to pinpoint essentially if any of the, like the, the salespeople have above average sales. And I did something like that. Um, so I'll go into some of that right now. Um, so... This was my first initial analysis. Um, this is in a Google Colab notebook running on Python. Uh, so the original data set, I'm changing some of the column names here. And then this is the pie chart indicating um, which employees had the most sales. Now keep in mind that not all employees are strictly doing sales work like this E10 and E9, they were mostly front desk, uh, checking IDs and such. Um, but as you can see, E7, E1, E2 had the lion's share of the sales. And then <clears throat> in another um, little analysis, so this is where I took, this is where I was able to pinpoint um, which 
hour of the day and which day of the month had highest sales. So based on, and, and forgive me, it's been a while since I looked at this, um, but this would have, um, I believe this is where I pinpointed. So the, the Y column is, all these numbers don't make sense now. Sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I looked at these. But what I was trying to do is like where it's blackest, um, it's the highest average sale um, relative to all the other days. Here's a, the way that you could potentially simplify this to make it more mean, to make it meaningful. So, or more meaningful, or meaningful in a different way. So mm -hmm. I was thinking you could almost like like lump the times of day. So the mm -hmm. simplest would just be a just a dichotomous um, morning or afternoon, mm -hmm. and that way you could you could compare the two. So you could see okay, what's the average sales you know before twelve p.m. Mm -hmm. And what's the average sales after 12 p.m.? I'm not sure. I mean, they may be the exact same, but it would be interesting to see if, I don't know, maybe average average receipt goes up or down. Uh, and if so, by how much? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I had something like that where I compared each employee to the average ticket price or average sale price or average total receipt. Um, just kind of comparing that way. So I can cruise around and see if I can find it. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the extent of what I had. <clears throat> just curious sean do you know that are you friends with the owner of the of the dispensary so the uh no well yes but they sold um so i i caught wind of that and i tried to um get some financing together to kind of buy them out and um i actually got three million um, lined up to make an offer, made an offer, and they laughed in my face. <laughs> like, wow, three million! Oh my gosh, I'm really lowballing you. I guess I don't know, but yeah, they uh, they rejected my offer, and I'm pretty sure what they got was closer to ten million. Wow! So uh, maybe you guys have a better perspective on this than I I do, but. Um, I'm sure you do actually, but when it comes to dispensaries, they're all cash businesses, right? Yeah. yeah. They're right. progressively, you know, debit cards and credit cards are working their way in there, but it's through loopholes. It's not really right. So anything official dealing with that much cash on hand must be a real pain for the businesses to deal with. Huh? Yeah, it was, it had its own challenges. We had two gun safes on site. Um, and that's where 
our petty cash and um, our our product was stored. Um, even then, it got robbed twice while I was working there. Wow. I worked there for over a year. Um, but both those robberies were kind of like almost joke instances. Like one, they went into the grow room and then just literally dragged the plants out by their stems with the trail of dirt, like following them <laughs> down the block. And another one, they did a smash and grab after hours, broke through the front door, went into the bud tending room, and then just took all the concentrates and then tried to resell them. And then they were caught reselling them because they had all the initial RFID tags and all that stuff. So okay. just a bunch of jokesters, really. Yeah. But still, I mean, that that that, that, that kind of goes to show you kind of that it's still a threat of yeah. safety. And I was thinking that it would increase costs across the board, whether you get robbed or not, because now everybody has to spend a small fortune on security cameras, you know, security yeah. doors, you know, I think they use like the, the armored cars for the transportation. So there's all, all sorts of e extra expenses involved. For well, more context, this owner, she was really not privy to spending money on the business. She just wanted to collect as much um, I guess margin from from the revenue as possible. So anytime where she could skip out, I mean, we had security cameras all over the place, but when it came to like reinforcing doors or anything like that, she she didn't care. She just 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 ate that minor cost compared to what it would cost to reinforce the doors. So is she just selling out and leaving the industry, or is she? Think yeah. yeah okay I, that's my impression you know it was she got started when you know it was just the people who were growing in the basement that had the like willingness to jump into this industry and I mean, that crowd is kind of getting phased out now and then the market's consolidating in colorado mm -hmm. to more chain type operations <clears throat> but she was kind of like uh the mom and pop type of business owner and didn't really have the ambitions to kind of grow it just yeah. kind of walk away and cash out and walk away and she, she cashed out pretty well i'll give her that yeah there's so that you're talking about consolidation i think we've talked about that on this call a couple of times but um it, there's that seems like that's inevitable right i mean every industry start, goes through that phase yeah and the intersection of data and consolidation. I wonder what kind of opportunities, I'm just kind of throwing this out as a brainstorming idea, but market consolidation and data, right? So yeah. what would be, what could be some opportunities there? I mean, obviously every business, if you're gonna get bought up by somebody else, you gotta have your numbers, right? You gotta have your typical finances in line, your yeah. POS and everything else. But I'm just, you know, you guys, can you guys think of anything that might be useful to, large kind of not corporate well, maybe corporate yeah entities that are going to consolidate and pull the industry together well one data source that i wanted to play with was uh at least in colorado all licensed owners are listed publicly 
So to take that license or that list of license owners and see whether it has shrunk or whether there's more licenses but fewer owners, mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of right. get some preliminary analysis from that, just to see, kind of measure that consolidation that you're that you're mentioning. Yeah, so kind of have an idea of what's on the horizon or where it's trending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sure it's just the same in the other states. All licensed owners are listed on, on a state list somewhere. Yeah, it's hard to, I know in Michigan, it's the it's not like uh, Washington, right? Where um, Keegan was able to supply some of the state data for Washington, but it's... Um, you're saying that Washington state has like a very uh, liberal freedom of information act. And that's how the data came about. Yes. However, Colorado does do a good job about publishing data. And in fact, yeah, we do. When I have done a little analysis of Colorado data, it can be a little tricky, but so one thing you can do with their data. So they publish, I think the licensee lists, monthly so you can actually you can you know track exits and entries so you can mm -hmm. say oh this person's entered and then at a certain point they've exited the market mm -hmm. so it's it's an interesting thing to track because say your licensees say they increased by 50 in the month well, there may have been 80 entrants and 30 exits. And so in the Colorado data, you can actually track, you know, who's entering and who's leaving, oh, wow. you know, when they do it. It's you know, not the easiest analysis in the world, <laughs> but it is possible. Yeah, and that, that would offer a lot of good insight to see what the average time or lifespan is for a license holder. At least the, the license holders that are seeing turnover versus the ones that are sticking around. Exactly. So I, I'll have to so maybe next week I can share this analysis with you. So I'll share what I've done with Colorado. So I was just doing entries and exits for, for each month. Mm -hmm. And then it would be a little more detailed, but I think, like you said, you could do essentially, I think in economics, they would call that survival analysis. So, you know, how long are these companies surviving mm -hmm. on average? Yeah. And I think initially that, that would be, that would have been a, because in Colorado it was kind of, an opportunity for a slow growth type of business model. And so I, I bet initially that was kind of a longer sort of time frame. Whereas now, if you don't have, you know, 2 million at least in capital to start something up, then you're kind of SOL. What about um, Keegan, with all your background in the uh, lab testing environment, <clears throat> just curious to start up a lab that must be a huge investment right yes so you're probably from what i've heard it seems you know 
going to really start up a lab for less than about you know a million dollars of an investment and the, the more i you know learn about labs it seems that may even be low so maybe you know, one to one to two million just to get all your your standard instruments and get them calibrated get your team of scientists to do testing however that may be you know, peanuts compared to what some of these cultivators are are spending on on their their companies. Um, so that's one thing. Like you'll see at Canacon. So like at Canacon, there were like some you know people who are setting up some high dollar processing facilities, as well as as well as cultivations. So I think. If the people who are seriously go, um, going after large-scale production, I think they have much higher costs. But it's definitely not trivial to set up a lab. And I would actually think, just because of the some of the you know the hurdles you have to jump, you know, getting your your sci your scientific team. So you've got to get people with masters preferably PhDs in chemistry or microbiology. So those are are tough requirements to meet, even if they're not nominally cost. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing in Oregon. We had legalization and then they had all these really stringent testing requirements. But there were no labs. And then people thought, oh, I'll make a bunch of money so they, you know, they bought a bunch of lab equipment, but yeah, then they couldn't find people to run the lab equipment. And there was this huge backlog, and they had to re they had to sort of relax the requirements until the labs caught up to, um, you know, to be able to to do the actual testing that they wanted. I mean, that's interesting because as we talk through these different kind of pain points, there's an opportunity right there. Uh, so uh, my brother-in-law, he does. Uh, medical hiring, right, for um, nurses, and so it's a whole industry on on this type of thing. Well, there's an industry. What you, what you just say stated there, Charles. There's a whole industry potentially there, right? How do you find the right people to man these labs? That's um, just amazing that it, all through this chain, this kind of value chain, there's all kinds of different things you could approach and you know try something with. Yeah. Well, it, honestly, it seems like every lab is looking for a good laboratory director and or a quality assurance manager because it's almost one of the things where if you have a good enough quality assurance manager on the market, you may as well get two um, if you can find them because they're they're that valuable and hard to find. Mm -hmm. Same for scientific director slash laboratory director. Like if there's there's two that you can get, like you'd almost want two. Um, but, but like you were all hitting on, it's tough to find them and connect the dots because, if, you know, apparently if you've got a you know PhD in chemistry or, you know, there there's a high demand for your skills. Yeah. Like, and then the other thing. With the cannabis industry is it's tough to to find people that are 
I guess, on board to work in the cannabis industry. So you find some people that are enthusiastic to work there. However, just to be frank, there's still a little shunned um, in the scientific community. So just, you know, from word of mouth, I have heard that, you know, it can be tricky to, to maybe move into other industries and other lines of work if your background is at a lab that, that tests cannabis. I imagine as time changes, probably in the near future, right, as, especially as more and more money comes into this industry, I, I think that's going to probably be less and less of an issue. Yeah, it seems like to that. I yeah. have two resumes, one with my cannabis experience and one without. <laughs> well, if you're looking for something at GM, send the one without because there's, okay. there's a bunch of old timers in this in this company. I swear, these engineers. I get emails all the time that say, you know, somebody's heading out the door to retirement, you know, with 42 years of service, and I'm just blown away. I've been wow. with the company six years, but you know, these people have been here since forever. These old engineers. Uh, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, if you see anything you like and you're interested in, send the okay. clean up one. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, yeah, so I, I, uh, kind of got uh, a feel for what I was trying to show you guys a little bit better. So I'll just clear that up real quick. If you don't mind. Yes. Ben. Um, so this is the X, Access is a minute of the hour. Um, and so the Y is a day of the month. So on, let's say the 27th minute in the 27th day, which sounds weird, but the average ticket price was $86. So. That'd be, I guess, a way to pinpoint, um, you know, target those times. So I'm guessing, uh, oh, so oh, never mind. That's the average of every minute within each hour. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. Why don't you, you could bin it like by the hour. Instead yeah, of I think I was trying to do that in my function yeah. here. So the column is based on the, and the, the aggregating function was the average price. Um, dang it, I thought it was a little cleaner than that. So I know sort of taking big averages does lose your granular data, but I just like to start with just a simple snapshot. So I love the, the hourly minutes. I think just looking at the date the day of the weeks would okay. be would be useful and then then getting more granular as you go because i think people have expectations that oh yes probably friday saturday are busy days mm -hmm. but you know to what extent and right. like are sundays busy right um, and um one thing I wish, one data data point that I wish we took was um, location of driver's license we looked at. Because from looking at all the IDs at every customer that walked in, um, I could, you know, 
I was working in a dispensary in Northern Colorado. So we were pretty close to Wyoming and, you know, just ballparking from the IDs that I saw, I would say, you know, 20% of our customers came, drove down from Wyoming, which is, which cannabis is still illegal there, but they didn't care. And the cops weren't really pulling people over driving back from Colorado into Wyoming. And so I think one interesting data point would be, you know, where are people coming from? Because we would get people that would say, oh, I come from North Dakota once a month um, just to stock up on my stuff. And or Texans. I always love selling the Texans because they always had the highest receipts. They would spend easily over $300 for each well, tourist from Texan. Um, this is so, yeah. where you've hit on these good uses of these or just these ways that these data points can be used in unexpected ways. So like you said, I think Colorado, correct me if I'm wrong, but they may even break down revenue by resident or non-resident. Um, um, you know, I think, I guess this is probably a factor of the dispenser I worked at because they wanted to do the bare minimum to get by. But other dispensaries track your your ID and then that's in a database somewhere that they keep, I'm sure. Um, but the dispensary I worked at was more of the, all right, we're not in jail. Okay, let's keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, I definitely the get the sense. I get the sense after going through the Washington State data that um, the quality is really low. Um, and it's probably going to be that while for, it's going to be like that for a while, I would think, um, mm -hmm. until there's kind of more stringent enforcement of you know for the the dispensaries but uh, i think keegan you mentioned this before they're trying to just to get these businesses they're trying to get their tax money right mm -hmm. <laughs> as long as they get their tax money the then, states are <laughs> yeah the yeah. states are of course right so um and the more more of these companies are operating the more tax revenue they're going to get so they're i'm sure they don't want to push too hard to to push some of these folks not out of business but to make give them a hard time so well so Oregon used to track people's driver's license and then Jeff Sessions became attorney general and they realized that like he could come in at any time and take all that information. So then they, um, then the governor, you know, signed an order to purge all that information. And I think they can't keep that information for more than like a day or two, or maybe they don't even keep it anymore. Oh, wow. But so they're tracking it, and then they stop tracking it. Um, so yeah, it's. Um... Well, you've you've hit on something. I don't know if it necessarily applies here, but there's a principle I heard is almost you know be careful what you measure, um, because yeah. you know that dictates a lot of your analysis. Because, mm -hmm. but in this in this case, it depends on who who wants to be careful. But so like in Colorado, like for example. Yeah, exactly. So if you measured, you know, the amount of sales going to people in Wyoming, yeah, it may 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 lead you to suspect that something's crossing the border. Well, we um, had this conversation a couple months ago. There was an article in the Oregonian mm -hmm. about those towns along the Idaho border, and they mm -hmm. had like disproportionately high cannabis sales. 
because all these people were coming over from Idaho and, 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 you know, and buying cannabis, you know, and the, and the parking lots of all the dispensaries were full of people with Idaho license plates. Um, and yeah, there was this thing, New Mexico, um, one of the legislatures of New Mexico said, yeah, we want to, we want to legalize it before Texas does so we can get all that revenue from Texas. <laughs> so I mean, there's, a, there's a great analysis there. You could, you yeah. know, like a heat map along the county, you know, along the borders. Yeah. You know, where it's legal, where it's not legal. Um, mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I tried to make that pitch to a town closer to the border of Wyoming. And I pitched it to them. I said, hey, about 20% of our um, customers are coming from Wyoming. You could capture that whole market because they were in between the town I was working at and the Wyoming border. So they would have they would have saved all these people driving from Wyoming about 30 minutes, which is a huge convenience um, for them. And inevitably, the town shot it down because they were skeptical about weed in the first place and they didn't want it on their streets, which it was it already was there because they were driving down to my town and then i don't know smoking it there um but you know it is what it is and you can't fight culture sometimes i think you've mentioned this earlier where if you or in, if you didn't then i i can mention it now so at canacon a regulator from oklahoma spoke and she's she was generally said that you know they're not really there just to you know bust people for breaking the violations, right? They want to help businesses, you know, operate by the rules. Yeah. Um, and so I think that just sort of you know gets at the idea where there's all the if they just blanket ban it, then there's sort of shady things that happen, and so you know maybe stuff was coming in before Oklahoma legalized it from Colorado to Oklahoma. And so they're like, okay, you know, let's just, you know, set some regulations and then, you know, let people operate by these rules and then help them operate by the rules. And so that's just so the trend I'd sort of observed, but, you know, it, it may kind of help people like, you know, not have to like, take things across the borders because that was another thing that was brought up is that's actually, you know, that's a pretty, it's, it is a federal offense. So it's definitely not something to take lightly. Right. Um, um, but my, my right. one rebuttal to that is people were throwing up resistance to like, Oh, well, these people are going over state lines and that's a federal offense. Like you mentioned, uh, but my rebuttal to that is like every year right before the 4th of July uh, people go to Wyoming from Colorado to buy fireworks fireworks are illegal in Colorado uh, but they go up to Wyoming anyway and take them down to Colorado and shoot them off and you know we have fireworks injuries left and right uh, from kids just playing with them in their backyard so that was my one rebuttal but yeah no it is a good point because it is it's, I think it's a federal crime to bring drugs over state line versus fireworks over state line. Well, it was just something that was brought up 
once again at, at CanonCon, somebody spoke about oh, just the legality of mm-hmm. being. Oh, so he basically said, okay, you know, if you're operating in the cannabis industry, you've sort of got a, uh, you've got a mark, you know, you kind of are, you know, got a mark on your back. You know, you have to you know, operate, you know, professionally and you know, within mm-hmm. the scope of the law and and. You know, the last thing you want to do is you know, take a bunch of cannabis from one state where it's legal to another state you know, where it's not because you know, that's uh, like a whole can of worms. Um, so, but anywho, uh, it, it, I don't know. It just makes me think that, like, you know, I think Oklahoma does touch Colorado. So the panhandle. So part of me thinks that they were just just tired of busting people all day long and so they decided <laughs> okay we just need to to get some regulations in place yeah i don't know yeah. why they actually there's, did it there's a town in the panhandle called texahoma i think and they uh that's right where colorado touches oklahoma and i think they just just like position some extra police force there just for that reason um, but yeah, because I have a friend that started a business down in Oklahoma, um, right when it opened up, because he was doing everything janky up in Colorado and decided to go legit when Oklahoma um, legalized. We kind of touched on this last week is when you when they do do that, you know, it brings this whole you know, company, all this revenue out, out from the black market into like the open, into the, you know, so they're legitimate business now. So now they're, you know, they're employing, um, they're employing attorneys, they're getting a bank, they're, yeah. they're hiring marketers. W-2 employees, so on and so forth. Exactly. So yeah. just, I just think it's bringing things into the sunlight so that way that people can actually operate legitimately by the rules. Yeah. It's um, more transparent. It, it, in the long run, it creates a safer product. And it provides what we care about is, you know, better data. So better data. <laughs> that, that, that's a, maybe we have a, our own incentive. But anywho. <laughs> Well, it's been a good conversation today. So I have prepared just, just like, I guess, just with two minutes, Sean, maybe I can show you and Paul and Chris as well, or Charles, just, uh, I just did a quick forecast of Oklahoma sales. So this could be just... So this could show you how you could go about forecasting with your data, because you're going to have a lot more data points than I do. Um, so basically, just real quick, and I'll publish this to to GitHub, but you can actually get, so Oklahoma is publishing just their monthly tax revenue. And so you can download that. And pretty good monthly numbers. Yes. So they're getting about $5 million a month in 
tax revenue. <laughs> um, Good for them. And so you can actually back out the total sales, right? So if the tax is mm-hmm. 7%, then we can back out the total revenue. Um, so here, I'll just go ahead and just run this whole thing. So essentially, we'll just back out the revenue from the tax, from the amount of tax, and then essentially forecast that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll share this script with you. So we're essentially just using ARIMA models for forecasting. Um, and I've got some links at the top for you to, to sort of read up on ARIMA forecasting. But it's basically just using historic values to, to forecast forward. Um, so just to show you, so far, they started publishing data in July of 2020. And going through May of 2021. Um, so, <laughs> cannabis revenue is on average about 78, so, you know, about 80 million in sales per month. Wow. And just to show you the, the forecasting model, we only have 11 observations and we're basically just forecasting with an AR1. So that's just using the past month's observations um, essentially to forecast forward. So our forecasts aren't the best. And so if you plot this out, you know, I don't know how realistic those forecasts are. But, you know, it at least gives us, you know, a dollar amount. Um, so just to wrap this up real quick, you know, essentially I'm forecasting, you know, Oklahoma to have, you know, one billion in cannabis sales in 2021. And that would be a, you know, I think like a conservative estimate. So I would, you know, I would say more than that, but, you know, there could be errors, you know, maybe, maybe sales dip way back down in the fall. So we'll see, but that's sort of a principle I like to share of forecasting is it's an iterative process. So basically we're going to save these forecasts and in the coming months, you know, we can see what the actuals were and at the end of the year, how far we were off. Yeah. One billion sounds reasonable. That's, I don't know for the first year of sales, Colorado saw 1 billion, I think on the fourth year. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong there. But I think that's what I remember. Oh, and that's 
that's why it's so interesting to look at these numbers is I think you're right. I think it took Colorado quite a while to get to 1 billion in sales. So we were the first. So there was still a lot of resistance and hesitancy initially, whereas Oklahoma is coming in at it with all these other states kind of paving the path already. Yeah, I wonder if the, the kind of the late bloomers will actually move super fast because they'll have probably better access to well, the investors will see less Financing. risk. Yeah. Yeah, because all the they, banks still don't want to touch it. Right. And they have the, the technology. So we've got to, so, you know, in the, the production function in economics, you've got technology. And so what's happened is, so like at Canacon is all the existing technology that's been produced in Colorado and Oregon, California, in, in Michigan or where have you, it's all... Mm -hmm. Actually, there were some people who were doing some amazing stuff with um, hydrocarbons in Illinois, and so they were there. And so you have people bringing their technologies to Oklahoma, and then they're able to just start up quickly. But it, just starting up at a staggering, staggering rate, uh, it looks like. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's, that's something I noticed as well, is people... We're getting, we're kind of cutting their teeth on the Colorado market. And then after so many years, you know, their friend back in their home state was saying, hey, let's start a business. This state just legalize, just take everything you know and bring it over here. And that's kind of what my friends did in Oklahoma. They got really good at extraction um, and then took all their experience and then used that to kind of. Uh, create their business out of it. Exactly. So, just for example, there were like some like like trimming machines that were built yeah. in Colorado, and or maybe not Colorado. I'm not sure where they were built, but in one of those states. And then, yes, the the processing, and this is where a lot of players are missing out because. You know, I'm sure there are like manufacturers out there who do build processing equipment and stuff like that, but they just didn't want to touch the cannabis space. And then that just left an opening for a startup to come in and basically say, okay, we're doing, you know, cannabis processing equipment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now they've got, you know, this little successful business there. So just an interesting... Yeah, I think it's been, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I personally think it's been a fascinating industry to watch grow and kind of take its form just because it, it does have such unique circumstances in which it has grown and formed, you know, in the dual state legalized, federally illegal kind of everything is kind of create a push and pull dynamic on how it's going to progress and move forward. So for, for next week, I'm going to dust off my old Colorado analysis and see All if right. we can get that up to, up to speed. And then, yeah, I'd yeah, love to, to hear more about your analysis. And yeah, we can continue to, to bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. And, and I think Paul and I think Paul could be a good resource for you, Sean, because he is quite the the retail analysis expert. 
Oh, okay. I wouldn't say that. I'm 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 learning as I go. <laughs> but well, yeah. I was gonna say I'm more than happy to share the the data that I have with you guys for you to play with on your own time. Um, I have no attachment to it or no need yeah. to keep it secret. Um, so I can more than happy share that with you guys. Could always be interesting. Like like I said, the data points I'm interested in are basically the day of the week effects. So what days of the week have the the biggest sales and I'm kind of curious about morning versus afternoon, um, but I'm sure there's tons of good questions, but those are just the two that, that come to mind. Yeah, if you have any questions, you know, reach out to us um, and then, you know, check out Keegan's GitHub, my GitHub. Yeah. Cannabis industry data analysis there. Yeah. So Sean, I, I joined this group of, probably what, four weeks ago or so, five weeks ago, maybe. And Charles and Keegan have been super helpful with my master's program, answering kinds of questions about data and stuff. So um, yeah, it's uh, that, thanks guys. I really appreciate the help you give me. Sure. It's, it, it's always fun. I, I have a lot of fun every week. So, so we'll, we'll be in touch and until then have fun crunching numbers and We'll be here next week. And, and just real quick, I don't know if you guys saw, I, I put a link in the chat box, um, chat window rather, uh, to GM's job posting board. So if you see anything you're interested in, just give me a shout out at my email account and we'll see what we can do. Great. Yeah, I'm copying and pasting that right now. All right. Um, but great to meet you all. Uh, this has been fun, engaging conversation. This is. I don't usually get to nerd out on numbers like this, so this is kind of... Uh, <laughs> A nice fun group here definitely and that's that's the that's the whole point you know join a group of like-minded individuals because yeah it's it's fun so we'll we'll crunch some numbers next week and like i said i'll dust off uh, my old colorado analysis because i think you'll you'll enjoy that and i'll share it with you and then maybe you can pick up from from what i have sweet yeah i'm excited for that awesome well, okay. until then, have a have a productive week. Take Likewise. care, guys. Good to see you. Good to meet you. Take Bye. care. Bye. Now. Bye.